The faithful apostle John wrote, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Revelation 14, 6. How does this prophetic pronouncement impact our interfaith conversations? Maybe you don't feel confident about how to dialogue with friends from other faiths in and outside of Christianity. I'm so glad you've joined us because we will look at principles for having a wonderful interfaith dialogue with Jared Thomas. Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. Jared, welcome to Ministry in Motion. Thank you. I am excited about this topic and thank you for having a passion for it. Why are you passionate about connecting with people from other faiths? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I've Ever since I surrendered my life to Jesus and became a follower of his, I've always had an interest in um, kind of awakening interest in anthropology and languages. And I was um, ministry-minded very early. After, shortly after my baptism, I went and got some training on how to give Bible studies and be a blessing to the community. Um, but there was this nagging itch to kind of get out of my comfort zone and out of the boxes that we typically work in and engage with people that are not like me at all. So I wound up, strangely enough, um, uh, completing a degree in Middle Eastern studies and Arabic language, which wow. took me um, into mosques and in the Muslim student associations and hanging out with people that were completely different from me and had completely different assumptions sure. about life and you know the problems of the world that we live in and how you solve those through their, their own religious text. <laughs> um, and that opened up a world of, of conversation for me. Man, that's, that's a great beginning. How old were you when you germinated this interest? Um, I had served in ministry for a few years at that point. I went back to school, man, <laughs> I think I might have been 28, 29. So I, and the Lord actually, crazy story, but the Lord had to take me into the far north woods of <laughs> Montana. I was exploring a ministry opportunity and he said essentially, listen, if you want to do what I've called you to do, mm. you need to go back to school. And I said, Lord, are you calling me? And, and I started in this program and that program and it didn't fit. And anyway, through a series of, 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 of things I won't go into, I wound up and I said, this is, this is what God is, is calling me to do and study. And it's opened up uh, some incredible doors since then. You know, not many Christians are as versed in this whole understanding of having confident interfaith conversations. But God is at work, isn't he? You know, we began the broadcast with Revelation 14, 6, where he is sharing the gospel through yep. this third angel. Every nation, language, tongue, and people. Yep. So that transcends denominations. 
It transcends religious groups. Um, what, what have you learned about God is interested in reaching other nations sure. personally? Yeah, that, that list of every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, yes. that same list is used in Revelation chapter 7, except in Revelation 7, when it's talking about the great multitude, these are people standing around the throne of God and the Lamb. Saved. Somebody, somebody <laughs> preached that message. Somebody yes. gave that message and gave it in a way where people were understand it, understood it, and they received it and they responded it and responded to it. And here is that group, this multi-ethnic, mm. multilinguistic, diverse group that responded, and then they're pictured around the throat. So God is intensely interested. That's, that's what he's desirous of. And sure. even from the very beginning, when he called Israel, and Deuteronomy is very clear, mm -hmm. I didn't call you because you were so great, right? So we right. sometimes get off our high horse and say, right. you know, I'm not so great that I'm going to contribute something, but God has called me in wow. my weakness and in my brokenness to make a difference for him. He called them out uh, of Israel, and he, he called actually Abraham before that, and mm -hmm. settled them in this little piece of geography that you know we tend to refer to as the Holy Land right. or the Promised Land. <laughs> God called the people; He placed them there for a specific reason. You know, you have the center of trade routes that touch right. three continents, going up into Europe and down into North Africa and into Sub-Saharan Africa and across to Asia. He put them there. And planted them as his, his faithful, you know, vine that they would bear fruit, that they would be able to influence all of the nations that are traveling, and the good news of God would go throughout and populate the world as people come. Yeah. You know, you think about um, the Queen of Sheba coming up and mm -hmm. and, and talking with Solomon in, in the really the, the the pinnacle of of David's uh, dynasty. Sure. Why? Because they had a reputation and God, God had blessed them. Right. Now, I would say that the same challenges apply to us also because um, they weren't always faithful. Hmm. And they yeah. had a tendency to become exclusive and they looked down on the other nations and they kind of walled themselves off. Right. And we certainly don't want to fall into that trap. No, you know, that we, I, I want to deal with that exclusivity uh, a little later, but... Um, God placed Israel at the crossroads, is what I hear you saying, of trade, of um, uh, nations, tongues, and people. Everybody would at least pass through there or at least knew of the routes. And uh, they were there to spread uh, the news about this creator, God, who blessed them. That, that's very interesting. Um, we have a, a great witness in the Word of God from our Lord Jesus Amen. who came. He was incarnational. What was his example in reaching other faiths, people outside of then uh, Judaism and what we know now as Christianity? Sure. Yeah, Jesus was involved with, with all people, and before he left, you know, he gave somewhat of kind of a controversial statement where he said, you know, Jerusalem and Judea and, and then Samaria. Samaria. Do we really want to go to Samaria? <laughs> right. You know, um, 
<laughs> was it James and John who, when Jesus sent some people ahead to say, hey, prepare these people, I'm going to come and minister to them too. Other people would go around. We're not right. going through Samaria. We don't, we don't right. like those people. You know, they've, they've tainted the pure faith, right? So, so there were religious tensions between the Jews and the <laughs> Samaritans. Jesus goes right through and he sends people ahead of them. And when they came back, James and John said, maybe we need to get rid of these people. Maybe mm. we can call fire down out of heaven and destroy <laughs> these people. You know, have mercy. Jesus says, you have no idea what spirit you're of. Wow. Anyway, in, in, in John chapter 4, Jesus has um, an up-close personal conversation with a Samaritan. And he gets into some, uh, I don't know if we want to say controversy. Sure, certainly she brings it up. Um, Jared, before you read that, hold that thought. We'll be right back because we're going to deal with this and many other things, including whether or not we should win an argument. You're watching Ministry in Motion. Welcome back. We're talking with Jared Thomas about reaching people and having conversations with them in other faiths. Jared, you were reading from John chapter 4, and we were dealing with the point of how Jesus dealt with other faiths. Did he argue with them? Did he try to win a theological argument? Come on, talk to me about yeah, that. Yeah, this is, this is a great story, and we can't unpack all of it here in John chapter 4, but what he's doing here is fairly controversial as a Jew engaging with these Samaritans. Jesus has a spiritual burden for this woman at the well, not sure. necessarily to, to, you know, to make her know that he's right, right. and she's wrong. Mm. So when, when Jesus gets a little too close for her comfort, she <laughs> responds in verse 19. She changes the subject and says, uh, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. This is the ESV that I'm reading from. Mm -hmm. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. <laughs> she gets to the heart of the controversy <laughs> between right. Jews and Samaritans. You worship on Mount Gerizim or do you worship in Jerusalem? Right. And Jesus could have easily said, you know, articulated <laughs> the, the Jewish position. But he says in verse 21, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. Mm. He's saying, listen. Don't be so concerned about that. Right. He, he dodges the argument and he doesn't minimize truth. He talks about how salvation is from the Jews and he questions some of their theological uh, <laughs> foundations. But he makes this, this point of worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. So yeah. Jesus didn't take the bait. And right. I found in conversations with others... Certainly hmm. there are people who are going to come up to me and they're going to say, do you really believe that Jesus is the son of God? Let's talk about that and let's, let's spar a little bit. Let's put on our boxing gloves sure. and let's see who has the best points. And I found that in the example of Jesus, it's best to, to dodge some of those arguments, um, not because we don't have truth to share or sure. we don't have strong positions from God's word, but right. simply because... You know, answering the question, is this, is this going to help me win an argument and mm. lose a friend mm. or lose an opportunity to 
be able to share down the road and getting in a fight. Um, You know, Jesus' goal was to win hearts, win souls, win minds, win people to the kingdom, and not necessarily, you know, um, be victorious in a theological argument. Yeah, winning an argument or winning a heart. I think that's what I hear you saying. Yeah. And and Jesus uh, did not go down this road. But sometimes, you know, when when you look at the history of of Israel as a chosen nation, uh, you mentioned it earlier about their arrogance or exclusivity. You know, we have it, we've got it, and um, come to us. Not only did Jesus not lead that way, nor did he fall into the bait, but also Paul teaches us something else about meeting people where they are in other faiths. Let's talk yeah, about Paul true. as well. All right. Well, let's turn over to Acts chapter uh, 17. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm not always comfortable with this dude. <laughs> All right. He was a little progressive. And actually, I'm not the only one because his progressive ministry, cross-cultural ministry, mm. got Paul killed eventually. Yeah. You know, the church didn't like it and they were playing politics and so forth. And it wound up leading to him going to Rome. So, right. you know, there are people who do not like this kind of engagement <laughs> when we take, you know, uh, biblical truth and try to communicate it in a cross-cultural way. There's the assumption that, you know, we're minimizing or we're mm. dumbing it down or, you know, something like that, when really, just as Jesus condescended and came to this earth as God and, and, and was clothed in human flesh and became right. one of us so right. that we could see and understand and hear him, we're called to do the same thing today. It, 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 was it uncomfortable for Jesus? I think it probably was. Will it be uncomfortable for us and disconcerting sometimes? Sure. But these examples challenge us to follow in his footsteps. Before you read this, you know, at its core, what I hear you saying, Jared, is that God does have people of all faiths who will be a part of his saved remnant. Is that the truth? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. Jesus said that there are sheep that are all over the place. They may not be of this fold, but he has designed it so that one day there will be one fold and one shepherd, all of us united. I think you see that most clearly in that picture that we see around the throne of God that we talked about earlier in Revelation chapter 7. So that behooves us to not sit safe and sanctimonious inside of our cocoon of faith, but to reach outside. Uh, And that's what I love about this theme. Let's see what Paul did here. All right, so in Acts chapter 17, providing some background, Paul is in Athens, and um, he goes up to the Areopagus, and he's hanging out with all of the philosophers. (laughs) They have images of, you know, Greco-Roman deities uh, all around. And he starts by doing something different. Verse 22 Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, mm-hmm. I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Okay, so <laughs> hold on to your hairstyle, right? Here, this dude is standing in the midst of, of, of progressive, secular, pagan, you know, you know they're, they're worshiping idols, they're talking about philosophy, and this guy pays them a compliment. You are religious people. You guys are are really religious. I appreciate that about you. You know, what could have Paul said? He Hmm. could have said, 
an idol is nothing, which incidentally right. he said to the church when they were discussing uh, food sacrifice to idols. Sure. He says, we know an idol doesn't mean anything. Right. He could have blasted them with that. He could have right. blasted them and said, you're, you're ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Sure. Right? Sure. He, he didn't put them on blast mode, and he essentially paid them a compliment. He's winning confidence, and he's mm. laying groundwork for a deeper conversation. So isn't that a first window into Paul's understanding of reaching people of other faiths? Be positive? Be positive, and I would say um, agree on every point that you conscientiously can. As mm. we're out there in the marketplace, as we're out spending time mm. with people, we're going to bump into people who have beliefs that we're going to say, that's way out in left field. I don't agree with that. You know, this is my standard for belief and practice is the Word of God is revealed in the Bible. I don't agree with that. But there are certain things that you can agree with, you can yes. show appreciation for, and those kind of affirming things uh, again, will pave the way for you to continue to share and gain friends and communicate the everlasting gospel. Well, before we read this, we talked about Jesus. We talk, we're talking about Paul, and we're going to read some more from Scripture about how Paul reached people of other faiths. You're watching Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. We're talking about reaching people in other faiths with Jared Thomas. Jared, Jesus didn't argue with the woman at the well. And now we're reading how Paul reached people in other faiths. You want to continue here? Sure. In the book of Acts? Yeah, after he affirms their religiosity, he talks about how you know, they're, they're pursuing after God. They even had a, a statue to the unknown God. Right. And he said, let me share a little bit with you about him. And he goes on and he, he does something a little challenging. You know, I, I said <laughs> I, I struggle with Paul a little bit. I know I'm not the only one. In verse 27, it talks about them seeking after God and perhaps feel their way towards them, him and find them. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us for, and then he's quoting here, in him we live and move and have our being, right. as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Hmm. Now, Paul is pretty progressive here. Yeah. Because he's actually taking words that were written by <laughs> a Greek philosopher and a Greek poet. Right. He's taking those words which, in their intention, you know, Epimenides of Crete is writing about Zeus. Mm. And he's saying, you guys are so fervent in your reaching after God, almost like feeling in the dark is, is <laughs> the language that he gives us there uh, in, in verse 27. And he said, this is what, this is what these guys were doing. They were, they right. were seeking after God. Well, let right. me declare him to you. Right. Now, we struggle with this. Some mm. Christians were not always as well-versed in this book as we ought to be. Sure. Let alone, you know, reaching out and becoming more familiar with a whole other faith system with their right. different types of art and their different, you know, kinds of liturgical languages or their right. different holy texts. Paul did that. Yeah. Why was it important that he did it? And why is it important in trying to connect, 
share our faith, listen, build friendships with people of other faiths. Why is it important for us to understand culture and language and uh, community and, and issues around us? Yeah, I, I think it's very simple. You know, Ivan, um, you know, as my brother in the faith, you know, it, it, yes. if, you were, if you were not and I didn't know you, right. how, what authority do I have to speak into your life? If I have right. no idea who you are, where mm. you come from, you know, your, your history, your culture, the things you like, the things you don't like. And sometimes we come into those conversations right. and it's like we're speaking a totally different language. Right. So, so when we take time to find out another person's point of reference, what we're doing is we're not changing Bible truth, sure. but we're simply framing it in a way where I'm giving a person the best opportunity for them to hear and to receive what I have to say. Otherwise, I can just be speaking over their heads and they right. have no idea what I'm talking about. And we see this example when Jesus put on our flesh, he wore our hair, he breathed our air, he, he was incarnational and he died our death. And now we're seeing it in Paul. And you know, Paul wrote in scripture, I became all things to all people that I may save some. And so he is, uh, he's not encumbered by some of the traditions of others in scripture. He's yeah. just laying it all on the line. He did. And there, he did have some uh, critics and, and he even has critics today where people say, well, you know, after Paul did this, he wrote to the Corinthians where, you know, he was determined to preach Christ and to right. preach Christ. only. We take his word and we do preach Jesus. But I just right. want to bring out here at the end of this passage, it says that some men joined him and believed. Paul's work right. on Mars Hill at the Areopagus bore fruit for the everlasting gospel. To God be the glory. God is working and he is working whether we are or not. Um, what is it about reaching people outside of our comfort zone, outside of our denomination, outside of our faith group that is essential to understand that God is working? Well, you know, God, God is at work. And the scripture says that, that Jesus lightens every person that comes into the world. What does that mean? I mean, we all have a measure of the Holy Spirit. God is seeking to, to, to lead others right. to, to himself. Um, unfortunately, sometimes I feel like we have been a bit of a barrier to mm. that because we haven't always been willing to engage with right. him. We've taken whole sections of people. We've said, well, these people are too hard. They haven't received our message, so we're just going to... We're just going to brush them aside. Mm. Um, and that's immoral. That goes against God's whole purpose and plan. Right, right. If he will, and I believe he will because biblical prophecy said so, have a people from everywhere across cultures, language, um, he is obviously working. And uh, hopefully and prayerfully he can work through us and through people uh, who are willing. Um, you know, when you work with people, um, how do you, how, how would you recommend approaching them? Um, do I take a whole group of people who may be in a faith group and cookie cut them to be um, maybe a one approach kind of a hobby horse? 
Yeah, um, we, that's a great question. Um, we need to be very careful because, okay, I, I live in North America. My context for ministry is here in the United States. Sure. And we have immigrants from all over the world that right. come here. Um, right. I could easily isolate a person and construct a caricature, a caricature of them in my mind and say, oh, they're this color. They right. must believe this. They have this this accent. They right. come from this country. They have this worldview and say, oh, yeah, they're one of those people. Mm. When people are individuals right. and we're saved as individuals. And right. even if a person might be from one faith background, if, if they're a Muslim, are they from Morocco? Are they from Indonesia? Sure. Right? Are they from Iran? Are they from Sudan? North Sudan, South Sudan? Huh. Are they from Lebanon? What, what part of the country? You know, what right. sect are they from? So everyone is an individual, just like you and I are individuals, and we need to be careful about assumptions. Another thing that I would caution is the study of, of, of other faiths. Books are very helpful, and there are many books that are written. Right. Books are written from an individual's perspective, and many times those come with a certain agenda. There's a whole industry in this country mm. that um, seeks to attack and undermine uh, uh, other groups and disparage them. So we need to, yes, read, study, be aware, but to come close to people. Yes. If I wanted to know about your faith, I think, Ivan, you would hope that I would come and have a personal conversation say, Tell me what you believe. Let me a little bit know a little bit of your perspective before I went on the internet and found out who some what some random stranger thinks and believes about you. We owe that to people. Jared, thank you so much for being with us. This is a rich topic, and uh, I pray that it will be a multiplier, helping us to reach other people. Amen. We've spent some time with Jared Thomas helping us to have better conversations with those friends in the interfaith community. Jared shared, God is supremely interested in reaching all people of the world. He also said, don't strive to win arguments, but rather win hearts. Be positive and agree whenever you can and approach the interfaith conversation as a learner. He also said, and I believe we should all believe this, treat people as individuals. And then remember that God is already at work in the lives of all creation. Thanks for joining us on Ministry in Motion. Until next time, may the Lord bless you richly as you reach others for Him, especially in the interfaith community.